I'm excited about this new series called Rumors. And we're all familiar with rumors. Some of us have shared a rumor. Some of us have started a rumor. And some of us have had a rumor spread about us. In fact, just for fun, I researched some of the most popular celebrity rumors of all time. And I want to see if you have heard of any of these rumors before. Here's the first one. That Walt Disney is actually in a cryogenic chamber somewhere under Disneyland. How many of y'all have heard that? Yep, okay. I don't even know what a cryogenic, I don't know what that means. Uh, but the family says that whatever that is, it's not true. Okay, so don't believe it. How about this one? Little Mikey from the Life commercials. I'm going to see how old y'all are. How many of y'all remember Little Mikey? He likes it. Y'all remember? Okay. Had, did you hear the rumor that he died from too much junk food and eating too much cereal? Did y'all hear that rumor? Okay, don't believe it. It's not true. He's alive and well, okay? How about this one? Well-known, famous children's television personality, Mr. Rogers, was once a military sniper. How many of y'all have heard that one? Yes. Do you know that this one was so widespread that the Navy SEALs actually had to put a disclaimer on their website? That's true. And then the last one is that Elvis is still alive. How many of y'all have heard that one? Yes. I, I, got, I think that's true. I mean, have you been to, I mean, there's one of those guys in Las Vegas has got to be the real deal, right? But we all know about rumors, okay? And there's a few things about them. Most of the time, they aren't true. And all of the time, they do damage. And here's the deal with this new series. We're going to talk about a few common rumors that people have about the Bible, about what it says, about what it teaches. Chances are, not only have you heard these rumors, but you may have even spread a few of them yourself. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next few weeks diving into some of the things that people claim are in the Bible, about what it teaches, but just aren't there. And the problem is, is that if we start to believe some of these false teachings, they might do a little bit more damage than good. You see, this whole series, what we want to do for the next four weeks is we just want to learn more about the truth, the truth of what the Bible teaches. You know, we want a few things for this church. We want this to be a place where people can grow closer in their relationship with Christ. We want this to be a place where people, when they walk in, they feel the love of Jesus Christ. We want this to be a place where when people cry out, they can experience the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We also want this to be a place where people cannot wonder, but can know that they are getting the truth of what Scripture teaches. That they'll be taught the truth on Sunday mornings. So based off that idea, here's what we're going to do. For the next couple of weeks... We're going to look at some of these cultural beliefs that people attribute to God, that people contribute to the Bible, and we're going to test them out to find out if they're a rumor or if they're true. And some of these you've probably heard all of your life, and deep down, you may want to know what the correct answer is. Or if you already know what the answer is, you might want to know how to explain it to someone else when you hear someone else spreading these rumors. Like, should I just go along with it? Or, or should I confront them? Like, in a loving Christ-like way, of course. But like, what do I do when I hear these things? And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to start off with one of the most common rumors that's ever been. You've heard this before. And you've heard preachers. And you've heard churches speak on this before. You've read books. You've read, you've read Christian books on this before. Here, and here it is. Here it is. That above all else, that God just wants you happy. That God just wants you happy. This, this feel-good kind of theology. This message of success, this, this prosperity gospel type of preaching. And I'll be honest, when we talk about this, that God just wants you happy, man, this one's tricky because it's, it's both, it, it can be true and false at the same time. 
Because of course God wants you happy, but, but not if you're making bad decisions, right? That's just logical, right? And if you unpack this a little bit more, something else that doesn't quite make sense with this type of thinking is this idea that God is running around after me and, and trying to play, please me and trying to make me happy. And the problem with that type of thinking is that God's not the center anymore. I become the center and that just doesn't seem right either. But some people will argue with me about this and they'll say, you know, preacher, and you may argue with me about this and say, say, preacher, is there really a rumor to believe above all else that God wants me happy? Because, you know, I believe that God is good, right? Doesn't the Bible say that God is good and that God wants good things for us, his children? And I'd say, yes, of course, absolutely. And because you're so smart, you'd probably look at scripture too. And you would find a piece of scripture like this in Psalm 92, four that says, everything... You do, God, it makes me happy. And I sing joyful songs. And I wonder if that song that the psalmist is singing is this one. Everybody clap, come on. Come on, join me, come on, let's do it. Let's do it, here we go. All right, no, stop it. Some of y'all just can't. I mean, we're, we're, we're struggling this morning, so we'll just leave it there. But you know what? This, I like that song. I like being, I love verses like this. That it, This makes me happy, right, to read this. But let's break this down a little bit. And let's be honest. The reason that this is such a popular thing to believe and the reason we want to believe this is because deep down, the thing that we all struggle with is that we're selfish, we're self-centered. You know, we want to make it about us. And we want to be desperately, we just desperately want to be happy no matter what. Right? No matter what the cost. And because we believe that so much, we even encourage other people, just do whatever makes you happy. Right? How many times have you said that? How many times have you heard somebody else say that? Just, you know, does it make, then just keep doing it. If it makes you happy, do it. You know, there's problems sometimes with this type of theology. And let me walk you through a couple of these things. If you've got your message notes and you want to jot these things down, let, let me walk through a couple of problems, and I'd caution you about these things. Number one is that whatever makes me happy, sometimes we think that must be right, right? And this can be dangerous. Halloween's right around the corner. And I read a little while back that the average child collects 3,500 to 7,000 calories in one night. Now, I know some of y'all are like, woo! Some of y'all are like me, you take the daddy tax, you take 10%, you know, goes to the parent. Um, what would make that child extremely happy, and you know this because some of you did this, is to lay all that candy out and just start eating it one by one all night long, Right? And just devour it all at once. But even though that was what makes me happy or that's what would make them happy, we know as a parent that's not the healthy choice, right? You see, God doesn't want us happy. If it means we're doing something wrong, if we're doing something unwise or stupid or sinful, right? Sometimes happiness can actually bring harm to yourself. It can bring harm to others. It can bring harm to the glory of God. Speaking of doing something just because it sounds good and it makes everybody happy, you know, some of the famous last words are, hey, everybody, watch this. How many of y'all gotten in trouble with that, right? Raise your hand. Speaking of that, you know, the famous rednecks' last words are, hold my beer and watch this, you know. <laughs> Can I say that in church? I hope that's okay. Um, but we all know what that's like, right, to do something or to go after something thinking, you know what, this is going to make everybody happy, 
And it just causes destruction or it causes a problem. I remember when I was a teenager, I saw a few wild kittens um, coming my way. And this, is a, this experience is probably what has traumatized me when it comes to cats. But I was on the back of the truck with some friends and I saw these cats. We were, we were at this place and they were wild. And so I thought it would be great to, to get one and just, you know, pet it and hold it. And so I jumped down and I scooped them up to pet them. And that joker turned into a Tasmanian devil, right in my arms. I got tore up from the floor up. I mean, he scratched and bit and just, I mean, I didn't know what to do. But sometimes we do that, right? We grab a hold of something. We think that it's going to make us happy when it's really wild, right? And it, and it just causes destruction to me while God is up in heaven going, oh, just shaking his head going, man, I wish you wouldn't have. You know, that's, that's not the best thing for you. In fact, when it comes to these decisions in life, Scripture usually paints a picture of people that are choosing two different roads. You know, there's this, there's a wide road that everybody goes down that seems better, it seems great, it seems like it'll make me happy, right? And then what does Scripture say? But there's another road, there's a narrow road. And the narrow road, man, that doesn't look so great. Sometimes it looks like it's more difficult. Here's one of those verses in Proverbs 14, 12, it says this, there is a path before each person that seems right, that seems great, but it ends in death. Now, there's always that path that looks so great, but it ends up just destroying something. It's, it's that relationship at work that, that, that you started because you thought, man, this is gonna make me happy, but it leads to the destruction of a marriage. But you go down that path because it makes you happy. It's a purchase, I thought, that I needed because everybody has this and everybody, you know, everybody says this is what will make me happy and so I buy, buy it even though I know financially I can't support it and I follow down that path just to lead to destruction of my finances. Jesus also talks about this path in Matthew 7 and he says this, he says, the gate is large and the road is wide that leads to ruin and many people go that way. But the gate is small and the road is narrow that leads to life and only a few people actually find it. Why do only a few people find it? Like, why is it so many people take that wide path? It's because it looks so good, right? It looks so natural. It looks like this is what everybody else is doing. This is what everybody says will make me happy. And as a result, all it does is it leads us further down the path and away from God towards death and ruin and destruction, of so many different things, all in the pursuit of happiness. In Bolivia, there's a road that's labeled the death road. I brought a picture of it. It's constantly named as one of the most dangerous roads in the entire world. 300 people um, on average die every year. It's littered with memorials and fog and mudslides are common. And if you fall off at any point, you'll go either four thousand to fifteen thousand feet to the ground why would anybody choose that road and yet they do because it seems like it's an adventure it seems exciting i bet people think that this is what will make me happy this is this will be great if we experience it but whatever makes me happy isn't always the right choice we got to be careful and that leads me to point number two Point number two is this, this kind of danger that comes along with this, is that whatever makes me happy, it also has got to be easy. You know, if it's easy, 
then that's the route I'm gonna, uh, that I'm going to choose, right? We're, we're so much, we're, we're so focused on happiness that we think sometimes that the difficulties in life can't possibly be a part of God's plan. So we begin to believe that all the discomfort and the delay and the risk and the inconveniences and the obstacles that I'm facing, God can't possibly be in any of this. In other words, if something isn't going right and I'm not happy, then God's not with me and then God's not here. You see, we should never choose to follow Christ or become a Christian if comfort is our number one priority. And you know what? The Bible is very clear on this. In Romans 8, this is so great. In Romans 8, there's this verse that reminds Christians that nothing can separate us from God's love. And he goes on to say, and it lists a few things. He's like, death and demons and fears and worries, none of these things will keep you from God's love. And it's almost like the, the writer here is he's writing to Christians to remind them that life is not a walk in the park. Following Christ is not easy. It will be difficult. So you gotta be reminded that God still loves you, right? And you know what? If it wasn't, if it wasn't easy for Jesus on this world, walking this earth, why do I think it's gonna be any easier for me? But again, the hope that I have is that even though these things are in front of me or even though these things happen in my life, that I'm never separated from God's love. That he's still with me. You see, the real tragedy, the real tragedy is when people don't know this and they get so disenfranchised with God or with the church that when tragedy, you know, strikes in their life, they don't know what to do with it, so they leave God. And they walk away from the faith because I'm supposed to be happy and God can't deliver that, so I'm done and I'm out. And they're not looking for what God can do in the middle of all that. They'll say things like, you know, I tried church. It didn't make me happier. I tried praying. God didn't answer. You know, I gave to the church. I didn't get really anything back in return. You know, I read the Bible, but I still have cancer. You, you see, here, here's the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is so many times when we talk about God wanting good things in your life or God wanting happiness or God wanting to bless you, we tend to turn that around and we tend to think of money. We tend to think of honor and status, but it's not that way. That's not what it's all about. Listen, God wants you to have a blessed life, but unfortunately, we live in a broken world. Bad things are still going to happen. When you follow Christ, you're still gonna get a ticket for an expired meter, right? You're still gonna get up in the middle of the night and stub your toe on the way to the bathroom, and not just any toe, but the pinky toe, you know, the one that goes wee, wee, wee all the way home, right? And it's going to hurt. Bad things happen. But it doesn't erase the fact that God is still with you. And that his goodness and his presence and his peace is even in the middle of those difficult circumstances. Point number three, one more thing, is that whatever makes me happy the bad thing about following this and letting this be the mantra of your life is that it usually gets all my attention. And that can be a problem because I get too distracted. You know, when it's all about my happiness, man, I begin to focus on the things that will make me happy. So I chase after comfort and pleasure in things. I'm like Cameron's dad in Ferris Bueller's day off that's wiping down his car with the baby's diaper, you know 
just because it's so precious to me. But what these distractions do is that they only keep us from the true happiness of really pursuing Christ. And honestly, you know what? This has always been a problem. Even back in Jesus' time, people were confused about this. People were confused about material things and possessions and wealth and honor and privilege and God's blessing. They chased after those things. We do it today. They did it back then. But they chased after those things thinking that God was pleased with them. And when God was pleased with them, that it turned into more money. And it turned into more honor. And it turned into more prestige. That God was actually with that person that had the most things in life. And, and so this was, this was a problem, of course. Jesus comes, and man, he just flips the script. And he changes everything. And if you remember that the story of the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus, and he stands before him, right? Everybody thought, when the rich young ruler, they're like, man, this is a guy that's close to God because he's happy and he has everything. You know, God's blessings is with this guy. And he stands before Jesus, and he knows that's not true, that his life is actually empty. Otherwise, he wouldn't be there asking for more, asking for something else. God, what else is there, Jesus? There's got to be more. And Jesus looks at him and he says, you got to sell everything you have and then come and follow me. And it was shocking to that guy, I'm sure, but it was shocking to everybody else that he had to give up these things. Why did he have to give them up? Because Jesus knew that this was chasing after those things that this guy thought would make him happy. It was just a distraction. It was keeping him from following after Jesus. And what did it do? It actually did that. He left. And he went back home because he couldn't give it up. He got all of his attention. And at another point, Jesus really turns this around. He gives the Sermon on the Mount. And he talks about blessed. You know, he talks about being happy. And he uses a Greek word. It's makarios. And actually, it's not just happiness, but it's this extreme type of happiness. And so I'm sure people are looking around and thinking to themselves when Jesus is preaching about happiness, that it's going to turn into more wealth and more honor and just great days and all those wonderful things in life. But what does Jesus say? He says, no, those that are blessed are the ones who mourn, who weep, who are troubled in life. Those are the ones that are blessed. Those are the ones that find the happiness that they're looking for. Why is he completely turns it around? It's counterintuitive. It's not what people expect. And why does he do that? It's because it's in those moments that we draw closer to God, right? Those other things in life that we think promise happiness, all they do is they distract us from God. Groeschel says he, that, that God doesn't want you happy so much as God wants you blessed. And I like that. You know, God has something far better uh, for us than just happiness because happiness is determined based on what's happening around me and what's happening can always change, right? A blessed life, though. A blessed life is when I'm following after God. When I'm looking for his goodness and his presence, no matter what's going on, it's when I choose to pursue his glory. So this rumor, this rumor that God just wants us happy at all costs, the real trouble is that when we believe that God just wants to please me and make me happy, 
we believe in this idea of a God that exists to serve me. And hear me on this. This is so important. God is not here to serve you. You are here to serve him, right? God does not exist to serve you. You exist to serve him. Happiness doesn't come when you're chasing after it. Happiness comes when you're chasing after Jesus. And we got to understand that. And we gotta, we gotta live to, to serve him and to live for his glory and not our glory and not make it about ourselves. And you know what gets me? Is that this is exactly the example that Jesus showed us, right? This is exactly what Jesus taught us. Jesus didn't come to this earth and just demand for everyone and everything to make him happy, right? He he didn't come to live in luxury. He didn't come to live for the next big weekend event, whatever made him happy. No, no, no. One of the most powerful pieces of scripture lays this all out in Philippians 2. Y'all look at this. It, It says this about Jesus. He says, though he was God... He didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, what did he do? He gave up. He gave up his privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to who? He served God the Father, even to the point of dying a criminal's death on a cross. Not one time when Jesus came to this earth was Jesus looking around at everybody going, please me, everybody make me happy, even though it was all about him. And he had every right to do that. But everything in every verse that you read says that when it came down to it, man, what did Jesus do? But he humbled himself. He humbled himself to serve us. He made it all about God's plan. He made it all about serving God, serving others to the point that he was willing to give up his life and die for us. You see, Happiness is learning to live like Jesus. Happiness is learning to live for Jesus. Happiness is learning to serve Jesus, right? Those who humble themselves and learn to not make it about themselves, those are the ones that find real happiness. And not just happiness, but something even deeper, something even better. You see, Jesus wants you happy. But the Bible says that he wants you to delight yourself in the Lord. Not in your own self. That's the catch. True happiness comes when we chase after him and not ourselves. So how do we keep this in check? Let me give you three points real quick in closing, okay? I know I'm running out of time. Three points. How do we keep the focus on Christ? Number one, you got to notice the distractions. You got to notice, pay attention to what the treasures are in your life. Pay attention to those false gods, those, those little G gods that promise happiness those things that we tend to worship in life but never really bring fulfillment. It's those big purchases that I make that, that, that just doesn't, even when I drive it off the lot, I'm not happier anymore than I was when I was going to get it. You know, that, those things, those weekend activities that just never really fulfill me in life. We gotta pay attention to those distractions, those treasures that we have. Because it may be an indicator of a little G God in your life. And we got to work to focus. We got to focus on Him. Make it about Him and not that thing, whatever it is. Don't settle for lesser joys. Number two is that we got to remember the cross. 
We got to remember the cross. We got to die to ourselves. We got to pick up our cross to lay down what we want in life. And we've got to learn to live for Jesus. We, we got to give up our personal ambitions. We got to give up all those pursuits. And we got to live for his glory. You, you see, the, the reason people are so upset and never truly find happiness is because they really haven't gotten to the end of themselves. And when you get there, then you're willing to pick up your cross, like Scripture says, to really look for Jesus first and to live for him. Man, man, that's when you find the happiness that you've been looking for, right? And then the last thing is that you've got to remember that Jesus is enough for you. Jesus is all you need. And I'll take you to that story of Jesus in the garden before being crucified. When Jesus was praying, and it says that he was in such grief that he was sweating drops of blood. In this moment, you know, this isn't what he wanted. In fact, this wasn't really his choice. This, this wouldn't make for a happy moment for Jesus, knowing everything that was coming. Far from it. In fact, he prayed to God the Father, and he prayed this. He says, Father... If you're willing, take this cup from me. If there's any other way, God, this isn't going to be easy. It's not going to be easy for me to do. It's not going to be happy, a happy moment. You know, this isn't going to be easy for either father or son. And yet, he continues and he says, yet, and I've heard preachers say that it's in this word right here that we were saved from our sin. This yet moment when he decided to follow God's plan, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus chose the cross over himself. And when we do the same and we deny ourselves and what we want, we become more like Jesus. And that's when we find that serving Jesus, man, that's what we really need. That, that, that's, that's more than enough in life. Because if you have Jesus... You know, you got Jesus' love surrounding you. You got his provision ahead of you. You got his spirit in, inside of you. You have an anchor for every storm. You have a comfort in, in every trouble. You have a light in the darkness and you have salvation from your sins. Jesus is enough for us. So, you know, I started this sermon with this verse in Psalm 92.4. I'll take you back to it. The psalmist says, everything you do makes me happy and I sing joyful songs. And what I want you to notice from this verse is that the psalmist is happy. And he's singing that happy song. But the reason he's singing is not because of something he did. Not because of anything he purchased. Not because of anything that's coming up this weekend or next year. or None of those things that he's chasing after. The reason he's happy is because of everything that God has done. Everything you do, God. That's where I find true happiness. So this rumor that God just wants you happy is true. That God wants you blessed. But God wants you more than happy. He wants you to tap into what he's doing. His goodness, his presence, his peace. But that only comes when we give up ourselves and we live for him. It only comes when we choose to serve him over our own happiness. That's where we find true blessing. That's where we find what we've always, always been looking for. Let's pray together. God, 
God, I just pray that you would help us to not always make everything about ourselves. God, please help us to understand what it means to just live for you and to please you and to serve you. God, Scripture is very clear on this. And it says that we're to give up our wants, that we're to give up our desires, that we're even supposed to give up our own life for your sake. And God, when we do this, and we strive for holiness when we make it about you, when we serve you, even in those difficult moments that we face in life. God, those difficult moments come all the time. We can still find purpose. And we can still find strength, fulfillment, and peace. As long as we're living for your glory. God, help us remember that. And God, I just pray that we would leave this morning with a song in our hearts. Singing of all the joy and the happiness we receive because of who you are and what you've accomplished for us through your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, we love you. And it's in your name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.